the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushduni. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. The Criticism of Medical Practice by Doctors, Chalcedon Medical Report, Number 9. In recent years, more than a little dissatisfaction with the medical profession has been forthcoming. More than a little of this has come from physicians themselves. True, the political criticism from men like Senator Ted Kennedy has been very much in evidence, but apart from that, physicians themselves have been vocal in their criticism. Over the years, some of the most readable books of current interest have been written by physicians. Because medical practice involves crisis and drama, doctors' lives and tales make good reading. It is not an accident that together with Westerns, detective and crime dramas, medical tales provide a high proportion of television fare. After all, it would be difficult to develop a television series around dental practice or accounting Medical practice lends itself to drama, and also, for that very reason, to more public interest and criticism. It can be argued that there are as many problems in dental practice and more in accounting, but who is interested in critiques of dentists and accountants? Accountants tend to favor the Internal Revenue Service in preparing returns to avoid too many audits and hostility to their clients, which could put an accountant out of business. Thus, doctors get an undue amount of attention, both pro and con, because of the very nature of their calling. Like politicians, they are very much in the public eye, whether they like it or not. The sharp criticism of medical practice by physicians is a relatively new thing, but a very important factor. Without necessarily agreeing with the criticism, we need to welcome it as a healthy development. State control over medical schools and medical licensing was a very serious step in the history of American medicine. Whatever short-term benefits these steps may have brought about, they were faithful in that the basic premise of socialized medicine was thereby granted. The state was no longer limited to the control of medical practice, which had become criminal. It now controlled all of medical practice in principle. In recent years, the state has moved toward using the potential powers gained when its controls over medical schools and licensure were established. Some men, like Dr. M. R. Saxon, M.D., of Aurora, Illinois, have not only written and spoken against this trend, but taken practical steps against it. There is a growing awareness among many physicians of the basic issues in state controls. Thus, Some of the medical critics are clearly in the ranks of greater freedom and self-reform. 
One such doctor is Robert S. Mendelssohn, M.D., Confessions of a Medical Heretic, 1979, whose concern for freedom led him to be a witness for Reverend Lester Roloff in Austin, Texas, in a trial with respect to the attempt of the state to control Roloff's ministry to delinquent children. A very different book is by Dr. John S. Bradshaw, a British surgeon, Doctors on Trial, 1978. Dr. Bradshaw presents his book as a simulated trial of his profession before a judge, and he presents an array of testimonies, pro and con, before rendering a guilty verdict. Bradshaw does call attention to the overuse of drugs, high-technology medicine, the Tuskegee case, the Willowbrook case, and more. Another similar work is by Keith Allen Lasko, M.D., The Great Billion Dollar Medical Swindle, 1980. Like Bradshaw, Lasko, a California doctor, calls attention to a great deal of medical malpractice. Some of the areas he covers deal with methadone, hypoglycemia, impotence, vasectomy, mastectomy, hysterectomy, gallbladder stones, herpes, cancer, hospitals, drugs, ambulances, and more. His book is much more informative than Bradshaw's and is an exceptionally thorough statement of areas of serious problems. Like Bradshaw's book, it is marred by too much hostility and element of self-righteousness. He is more honest than Bradshaw in that he states his premises openly and plainly. Quote, the major reform needed for the U.S. healthcare system is the removal of the profit motive from medicine. Unquote. Page 226. Dr. Lasko then raises the pertinent question Can our bungling, inept, and corrupt federal government, quote, the same federal government that gave us Amtrak, the Postal Service, the swine flu fiasco, the Vietnam debacle, the Bay of Pigs and the Veterans Administration, not to mention the national defense mess, the energy crisis, the war on poverty and the war on cancer, give us a good national health care administration? Unquote. Page 227. Lasko's answer is an amazing one. Quote, if America is to survive, one has to assume that some leadership will eventually surface in Washington, D.C. Page 228. Why does one have to assume that? On the contrary, those nations in past history who have looked to the state for salvation have perished for that very reason. Would it not make much more sense to set the doctors free from controls and allow the free market to give us good medicine? Contrary to Dr. Lasko's belief, quote, the profit motive, unquote, does not disappear when the state takes over the economy or aspects thereof. Profit, in the form of graft and corruption, then skyrockets even as services decline. Socialism replaces a normal and healthy profit motive with massive fraud and corruption. Many, if not most, of the evils Dr. Lasko attacks in his profession are the products of federal intervention into medicine, which have made possible the proliferation of needless state or federally paid surgeries he criticizes. Those of us who are not on Social Security, Medicare, medical insurance, or what have you, seem to need far less surgery or hospital care. We still belong to the old order of freedom, not subsidy. 
All the same, it is necessary to call attention to a very important point made by the various medical champions of socialized medicine, the need for a higher moral standard among doctors and less surgery, prescription, and practice for money's sake. Up to a point, we can and must agree with this. But let us look more closely at this objective. The goal of the advocates of socialized medicine is that doctors become socially concerned and moral, and they believe that this can be accomplished by legislation. We are dealing with a false doctrine long condemned by Orthodox Christianity, salvation by law. Its premise is anti-Christian, and its success is impossible. The idea of socialized medicine is even less workable than was prohibition. The hope of making doctors moral by law has in it some very seriously faulty premises. Two of these concern us at the moment. First, it is assumed that profit is evil, a premise we cannot accept. Moreover, it is curious that, even in Marxist countries, no successful attempt is made to eliminate the profit motive for artists and writers. The facts of quality and market control and market receptivity cause problems, very obvious ones. True, the union does try to subsidize subservient writers and painters, but somehow the better writers sometimes get published at home or abroad and are far more successful. Also, the independent painters build up an underground market. The controls do not militate against profit. They militate against quality. In medical practice, free choice does often reward a good, quote, bedside manner, unquote. But it also rewards quality, and it gives the decision-making power to the consumer patient rather than the state. The state usually rewards subservience, and its choices are less to be trusted than the individual's, as witness almost everything the state does. Second, while we can legislate morality to a degree, in example, we can have laws against murder, we cannot by legislation change the heart of the murderer. Legislation is legitimate if it legislates against a crime, but it is presumptuous, dangerous, and false if it legislates against the innocent man as a potential criminal. It is the murderer who must be controlled, not the innocent man. The assumption of socialized medicine is that physicians constitute a socially dangerous and or derelict element which must be controlled. As this point, let us look again at Dr. Bradshaw's indictment and conviction on paper of the medical profession. In his concluding paragraph, Bradshaw speaks of the need to create a new society. This goal requires something we now lack. Quote, the philosophy the religion needed for the establishment of such a society, unquote. page 313. It would appear that what Dr. Bradshaw has in mind as the philosophy or religion of the future is a humanistic statism. He does bring his doctors to the bar before a British judge in New York City. Acts 3.6 tells us of the incident before the temple when St. Peter healed a lame man, saying, quote, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, unquote. Today, all too many doctors and politicians seeking the sickness within the medical profession are trying to say, quote, In the name of the state, 
I command thee, rise up and walk, and be whole. Unquote. It does not work without accepting the strident critique these doctors make of their profession. We can grant them certain of their arguments. The medical profession does need healing, but healing from what? The rise of very hostile criticisms of the medical scene, doctors, hospitals, medical schools, and more, is a fairly recent thing. It did not exist to any appreciable degree before World War II, and it has become prominent since circa 1960. We can thus say that it has risen in part at the same time as federal intervention into medicine was stepped up dramatically. In fact, it has developed together with Medicare. Very bluntly, the common opinion is that doctors fought it bitterly, but when they found that it could be exploited financially, they did so. As some doctors have plainly said, there is truth to this charge. An even more important issue is abortion. Traveling as I have very extensively across country and talking to people on planes, in terminals, and at meetings, a curious fact has come to my attention. The pro-life and the pro-abortion people both have strong convictions on the question of abortion, but they are agreed on one thing. They do not trust, quote, most doctors, unquote. It took me a while to realize this, and it came out only accidentally and or unconsciously from pro-abortion people. But abortion has affected their view of doctors. Such a person will go to a doctor for an abortion. But can you trust a man with your life who takes life for money? A man who sees no evil in taking life? Psychologically, this has taken a fearful toll on the public image of doctors. Let us assume that an American Clergyman's Association existed, with all clergymen in the U.S. in it, or most of them, and all members were state licensed. Let us further assume that this ACA either declined to take a stand against abortion, homosexuality, and adultery, or approved these things. Would not every person in this country look askance at the clergy, whether or not they approved of these things? Here we come to the heart of the problem. Psychiatry has, quote, dropped, unquote, homosexuality as a perversion or as evidence of some disorder. The homosexuals gained a bit from that judgment, but psychiatry lost disastrously. It gained public contempt. Medical societies recognize abortionists as physicians in good standing, and every doctor is hurt by that recognition. He who recognizes murder as legitimate is classed with the murderer. Bradshaw is right in seeing the need for religion, although we cannot agree with his argument, before a court or his religion. The religion of status humanism has been bought by too many doctors. They simply balk at the logical conclusion of their faith. Their moral dereliction can no more be cured by socialized medicine than alcoholism can be cured by a warehouse full of whiskey. The problems raised by the medical critics of physicians and by the political critics as well are at heart moral problems. The state cannot minister to any of those problems. Moreover, our society as a whole is morally and religiously derelict, and it needs a truly biblical faith to be renewed. Prescriptions for the medical profession which neglect, overlook, or sidestep this fact are dangerous. 
for men like some of our current senators to present themselves as the bearers of a moral solution to the problems of health care is Phariseeism of a most flagrant variety. However, in every age, Phariseeism is a most popular religion. The only effective answer to it is a truly biblical faith. Division and Separation Chalcedon Medical Report Number 10 Some years ago in the mid-1950s, I visited briefly with a prominent pastor in a major city. The church of which he was the minister was probably the most important, or nearly so, in that city in terms of its membership, influence, and financial power. Its members were prominent business and professional men, and socially, membership in the church was an asset. The witty and urbane pastor was a popular after-dinner speaker. As a serious speaker, he had a knack for raising all the right questions and the possible answers without coming to an open commitment to any one answer. His impressive study had a little sign intended to be humorous, which read, quote, Take your troubles to God, but bring me your cash, unquote. As anyone with painful problems found out, there was more truth than humor in the sign. The man wanted no people with embarrassing problems in his congregation. What made the supposedly humorous sign so repulsive was that the ministry is not intended by God to be profit-oriented, although Scripture requires that those who labor in the ministry be very well rewarded. The motivation, however, must be the Lord's work. A priestly calling, in example, a sacred vocation, requires a non-economic motivation. The pastor in question was a modernist of sorts, an example with no great convictions about what he believed and what be disbelieved in Scripture. His motivation, hence, was hardly likely to be a biblically sound one. Over the years, we have seen divisions and separations in the churches over the issue of faith. Within Protestantism, the line of division is quite extensive now between the modernist and the orthodox or fundamentalist. Such divisions are beginning to enter into Catholic circles. In at least one city, the telephone, quote, classified, unquote, listings carry two classifications. Quote, Catholic churches, conservative, unquote, as against the liberal ones. Some laymen say the division may go further. All this is by way of indicating that the line of separation is no longer limited to the churches. State schools versus Christian schools is another, and there are more. There are growing hints of a like division in medicine between those who see medical practice as a business and those who see it as a priestly calling in ministry. Two illustrations will indicate the problem. One of our Chalcedon staff men suffered a very serious accident in mid-1984, rushed to a hospital with his life perhaps at stake. The surgeon asked first, not content with what the receptionist may have ascertained, quote, before we begin, can you pay for this? Unquote. Currently, one of our Christian school teachers has a daughter, married and in her 20s, who has suffered some kind of internal rupture, is in a very critical condition and losing grasp of consciousness. Rushed to the hospital, she was told by a doctor, quote, If you can't pay, you'll have to endure the pain, unquote. And wait, she must. 
and we hope surviving until her grandfather and some of us guarantee the cost. Nowadays, many such stories can be told. If they make you angry, remember how deeply angry and offended many fine doctors also are, often more so than the rest of us. They see such men polluting medical practice and all too many hospitals a party to this evil. The fact is that never before have hospital and medical bills been more provided for in our history. By 1975, 48 million Americans had Medicaid care and 168 million had surgical insurance. The numbers have increased. Moreover, few people face large medical expenses totaling over $5,000 a year, and 87% of these will be covered by medical insurance. Moreover, by 1975, there were over 1 million hospital beds in the United States. Since then, the situation is even better. It is very true that both state and federal medical aid is very slow in reaching doctors and hospitals. The same is true of private health insurance. In both status and private spheres, endless forms must be filled out and much red tape ensues. Papers get lost, and some doctors' secretaries grow very weary of making out fresh copies of old claims. More than a few believe that federal, state, and private insurance are aids or deliberately stalling on payments in order to hold funds longer. Such things are minor problems, however. The real evil lies elsewhere. In the 20th century, many clergymen have simply sidestepped the requirement to believe in God's Word and to take their ordination vows seriously. They seek clerical status without the responsibilities and the faith thereof. St. Stephen called all of those of false faith, quote, betrayers and murderers, unquote, Acts 7.52. Now, within the ranks of physicians, a division like that within the church and education is in evidence. There have been divisions and breakups in some clinics over these issues. Abortion is murder, and it is murder of a particularly repulsive sort. Many nurses report on the horrors which are commonplace in the medical practice of abortionists. Any prolife group can give us a vivid account of what these are. These horror stories, however, are not necessary when it comes to assessing these doctors. A doctor's calling is healing and health. The word for salvation in Latin is salve, health, and both Old and New Testaments speak of salvation as the total health and restoration of man in all his being into the fullness of life in the Lord. For a doctor to become a murderer is to turn his vocation upside down. It involves not failure or incompetence, but a reversal of all moral order. It turns his calling into a perversion. It thereby alters the relationship of the patient to the doctor. That relationship with all its privacy and privilege is intended to be a healing one. It is a medical form of the confessional and its purpose and goal is healing. A false confessor, whether in the church or in medical practice, is a great evil and a menace to the life of the one who seeks healing. The minister and the medical doctor are ministers of life and healing. In the absolute sense, Jesus Christ is, quote, life, unquote, John fourteen six, and Satan is the destroyer of life. 
Revelation 9.11, Apollyon, meaning destroyer. This line of division is basic to the Bible. It undergirds the meaning of creation and God's joy in creating. God, in answering Job's friend, speaks of his joy in all creation, in the wild ox, the grass, the wild goats, and all his handiwork. He tells us that in the creation week, quote, the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, unquote. Job 38, 7. Those who go against God and His law sin against their own life or soul and reveal thereby love of death. Proverbs 8, 36. True faith is a celebration of life. When the minister and the physician are faithful to the Lord of life, who is Himself absolute life, they are healers and their work in them a ministry of healing. They are a ministry of health in the fullest sense of the word. Our devastating social dislocations have roots in the failures of ministries, where the man in the pulpit and the man in the clinic or hospital becomes a minister of death. The whole society is adversely affected. The ministries of life have then been poisoned. Our world today is marked by a love of death and a hatred for life, and hence it's anti-Christianity, and hence abortion. Igor Shafarovich, a mathematician within the Soviet Union, wrote in Alexander Shultzen's From Under the Rubble, 1974, on Marxism as a hatred of man, of religion, of the family, and of life itself. He documented the determined will to death of Marxist man. Earlier, an American psychotherapist, Samuel J. Warner, in The Urge to Mass Destruction, 1957, analyzed the modern world's craving for an apocalyptic disaster and end. He saw an operational correspondence between Satan and such modern thinkers as Nietzsche. Writing in the easy years of post-World War II optimism, he saw the sickness of modern man's soul in the crises ahead. He saw man facing two roads, the road to death and the road to life, and our modern world is predisposed by its philosophies to death. Warner did not envision or speak of abortion or euthanasia, but very clearly these are major milestones on the road to death. We cannot and must not say that physicians have caused this. They reflect the false morality of our time. However, a major biblical premise is that the greater the responsibility, the greater the culpability and the guilt. Our Lord says, quote, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Unquote. Luke 12.48 In Leviticus 4, we are told that the sin of a priest is the most serious in any society and requires a greater atoning sacrifice. No matter where the source of an infection in the life of any society may come in, ministers, teachers, and doctors, because theirs is a priestly calling, bear a greater guilt if they fail to have a ministry of life. In recent years, the areas of strength in our society have been those areas where, in church and school, a separation and a division has taken place. This separation and division can and has taken two forms. 
on the one hand. It can mean breaking away to create new entities and a renewed faith. On the other hand, it can mean cleansing a body or group of all false members in order to restore health. It should be remembered to hark back to the two illustrations of medical malpractice cited earlier, that the problem is not money, but a false faith. St. Paul tells us, as does our Lord and the law, that, quote, the laborer is worthy of his reward, unquote. Moreover, those presbyters who are faithful and able are, quote, worthy of double honor, unquote. An example, double pay, 1 Timothy 5. 17 through 18. Nothing in the Bible can justify underpaying anyone, and the more important the work, the better should the reward be. On the other hand, the Bible is clear that men should work in terms of their calling. A businessman has a right to his profit, and the consumer to honest goods. But while in some callings a profit or an quote, increase unquote, is a proper goal, this is not true of all. It is not money itself, but, quote, the love of money, which is the root of all evil, unquote. 1 Timothy 6.10 There is nothing wrong with money itself, but it is the love of it which is very evil. It warps and perverts both man and society. The biblical language between the love of money, death, evil, and Satan is not an accidental one. When we serve mammon, we cannot serve God. Matthew 6.24, Luke 16.9, and 13. One nurse once described abortion to me as, quote, the biggest financial bonanza ever to hit medicine, unquote. Morality is an issue of life and death, and inescapably so. God declares that the moral alternatives involve blessings or curses. Deuteronomy 28. Current attempts to eliminate the moral question are particularly evil. To call abortion personal freedom or a woman's, quote, right, unquote, to control her own body is to evade morality and to choose death. Doctors are no less involved in this invasion. Newsweek, January 14, 1985, cited a prominent obstetrician and gynecologist who now avoids most abortions, referring them to area clinics. He is increasingly reluctant to perform abortions, but he insists, quote, I don't like abortions. It's not a moral question. I just have a bad feeling about it. It's always a strain, unquote. Page 26. This demoralization of life is basic to the evil infecting medical practice and all of us. To reduce a question of life and death to a matter of how we feel, do we have good feelings or bad, quote, vibes, unquote, over it, is to separate ourselves from God's world and its moral order. It is to choose death. The division between life and death is a matter of reality. Death entered the world because of man's sin, his moral separation from God. When men bring death to unborn babes, they have chosen death in a particularly evil fashion. No man or society can be indifferent to the social consequences of such a choice. It is an invitation to judgment and destruction, 
It is social suicide. Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushman. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he had shown us by his paying the very price. It was there at Calvary's tree, where he died for you and me. Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. 
Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.